Right, Tom, we survived episode one and we're a little bit late coming back with episode two, but 90 Minutes, the Clare Football Show is back. Uh, you know, and it's worse than ever because uh, we've we've been in and out of Scarif, I don't know how many times today, but we've got some fantastic interviews for not only this week's or this month's show, but also next month's show. So uh, all credit to all our interviewees. And of course, football and politics have a similarity. Uh, how is that? Well, you know what? A week is a long. A week is an awful long time. In politics, and what's happened? We have. um, We're looking for a new manager for the Irish national team. We have teams. What? Both national teams. Both national teams. Um, We have uh, Nigel Farage in the jungle getting paid 1.5 million euros. Tom, this isn't a political show. This is a football show now. We're not talking about Nigel Farage. But I'm just saying how uh, how much can change in such a short space of time. <laughs> right. Listen, just a little bit of uh, homework before we start into ep- episode two. So you were going to say housekeeping? Well, I could call it housekeeping or homework, whatever way you want to put it. On episode one, we had a debate and a chat in relation to the state of refereeing and the challenges associated with refereeing and the lack of refs in the county. Now, we have made representations to try and get a representative from the referees association, we said through the FAI, and an official clearance for that has been sought and is pending. So we don't have it for this month, but uh, rest assured, hopefully for next month's episode, it will be uh, forthcoming. Well, that's the hope anyway, you know, because I think um, getting a viewpoint from the man or woman in the middle, uh, I think would be fantastic and getting an insight into what it's like making decisions from yeah, a referee's yeah, point of view. And I suppose the, the career trajectories that are there, we'll say for players that might have finished playing, you know, maybe through injury or stuff like that, or just, just didn't want to compete at, at a high level anymore, but would sort of want to give something back and get involved in the art of refereeing. But we'll... We'll return to that topic uh, on another occasion. So now, what have we lined up for today's show? We have a multitude. Um, we're kicking off this evening with an interview with Aaron Bradley, uh, the manager of Ennis Dons. We're also going to have Mike Maloney with the big East Clare Derby ahead of us this weekend between Kilkishan and Tulla. And Mike will also be talking to us about Tulla's first few games in the campaign to date. We then have a wonderful interview and how do you say delighted to have it with Laurie Ryan. Um, she's the captain of, um, how do you say, newly crowned FAI women's winners uh, at Lone Town. And a great banner lady as well. Great banner lady. Absolutely. Well, we, we all have the link to the to the banner. That's the thing. We all have the link to the banner. We've had, of course, um, on top of that, speaking of Dennis Hines, and he's got an awful lot of things to say about Oscar Trainer and local derbies and also the Schools 5 competition that's um, been launched recently by the FAI. So that's that's the menu, the a la carte menu this week on the football show. Right. So what will we do next, Tom? Play the music.
Now, Tom, our first guest on our second show, uh, and we're talking about, we'll say, the local side of things, we'll say, for East Clare for us, but it's a, a, a club that aren't from East Clare, but they're coming visiting uh, East Clare this weekend. So we're talking to Alan, Aaron Bradley uh, from Ennis Dons. So take it away. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great to have what would be a new club coming to Scarif to play Mount Shannon Celtic. And as I said, they're getting used to the first division. Mount Shannon are back in the first division again, so it should be some game. Aaron Bradley, you're very, very welcome to the show here on 90 Minutes. The, the How do you say our kind of contribution to football in Clare? And uh, last month's show has how do you say gone down very very well so we're here with our second show you're our first guest so no pressure tell us a little bit about Ennis Dons uh, thanks for having me um, we're founded in 2018 so we're just five years old now uh, we are just a couple of at the time we are just a couple of young lads we hadn't really been playing since underage and a few of us had been just kind of bouncing from club to club at adult level so we are looking to kind of play together so that's where the idea came from and uh, the first year of the we were just finding our feet, and now in the last few years we have had back to back promotions. So, we were ourselves now we're just trying to find our feet in the first season. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a very very difficult league. I know when when I was playing myself, the first division was always considered dog eat dog. But I'll tell you, when you when you kick off in the in the third division, and as I said, there's a great bit of banter. It's all new and it's all fresh. Do you find that there's a big difference in standard between the third into the second and then the first? Oh, very much so. Uh, like especially in the our first years, we were barely trained. It was only for a bit of crack, and then. We got promoted to the second division and started taking it a bit more seriously. And we probably, last season, probably exceeded our expectations. We probably weren't expecting to get promoted again. But when we did in this year, we really had to up it again, sign more players to have the squad bigger and start training a lot more. And even going back to preseason, we were back mid July. We only finished because we had the playoffs to go up. We only finished that uh, in the first week in the June. And we were back again six weeks later, training in July. So it's a big step up. And the standard is just, it's a lot more physical and more fast-paced, we feel, anyway. And tell me something, that when it when it comes to a home ground, um, we would be very similar to yourselves in the sense that even though Mount Shannon Celtic um, has the name as such, we, we play in Scarif and we started off in Mount Shannon, but when we went up the, the divisions, we needed somewhere better to play from a footballing point of view and we made our way to Scarif and because we'd taken a lot of players from the East Clare area, it became a kind of a, an unnatural home for ourselves. How about yourselves when it comes to Ennis? Um, yeah, it's obviously in Innis now, there's not half as many pitches as there was many years ago. So we are, these road is kind of our only option in or the Fair Green, but Fair Green is strictly except for our Hermitage. So at the moment, for our first years, we're playing on the AstroTurf. And thankfully now in more recent years, we moved on to the grass pitch. Now long term, we'd obviously love to have something of our own, but for the foreseeable now, we'll be based on Lee's Road. Yeah, and not a bad place to be based neither, uh, Aaron. And I suppose, uh, could I just ask, um, from the point of view of the club, um, ye are just playing as senior, we'll say, uh, at this stage. You don't have an underage structure, is that correct? And where, we said the, the club is a brand new entity. It's not the remnants of some other club that would have um, uh, been in and around Dennis. I'd expect no, we're a brand new entity out where it says, and uh, no youth structure at the moment. Obviously, we're 
probably a bit different now to most clubs in the county that we're all fairly young ourselves, like even the board and behind the scenes, not just the players, they're all fairly young and a lot of the players are also the board, like we make up both parts of it. So at the moment, no youth structure, but we would love to eventually have something on the line of that. Yeah, I, I suppose in, in a way, it's a little bit of a different way from some clubs that have sort of, you know, started off previously. Some clubs would start with the underage and then they graduate up to a, a senior thing. But nothing wrong with what, with what you're doing. And listen, it's very much to be admired. I, I, I suppose the, the usual uh, caveats apply to everybody for uh, every league, I suppose, uh, in the country, every club in, in Clare as well. I'm sure fundraising and playing for pitches and all the rest of that is... Uh, not the easiest of things to be doing. Is there is there anything in particular that you do, or would say how how much of a panel do you have numbers wise? Um, we actually have about thirty six or seven in the group chat at the moment. We probably could have had a B team if we had thought about it this year, but um, and then in terms of fundraising, yeah, we do like we had the book section only last Saturday, so that's a big part to take for us, like because obviously these road isn't cheap and insurance on top of it as well. There's a lot of fundraising to be done. Again, that's mainly player-driven. Uh, like we're, it's a, we have a great squad of lads. They're all they all putting the work in the, off the pitch and on the pitch. Uh, one one thing I one thing I noticed was uh, when I contacted you originally in relation to this interview, I thought I was speaking to the secretary, and then I heard it. Uh, let's say in the conversation that you were also the manager. So I mean, you're you're taking two hats on as such within the club. Do you find that uh, when it comes to volunteers to be able to manage stuff, that it's it's quite a hard thing to do, and and keeping the freshness within all the different areas of the camp. Uh, very much so, obviously. As I said, like the players and the board kind of cross over. But like when we spent time to the club, I was only 21 myself, so we were very young and naive at the time, probably. We've learned a lot along the way. And I've one thing I have learned is it's very hard to get volunteers to commit. Like, obviously, if people don't, like, I just don't think people want to be involved with uh, managing teams anymore and things like that. So I'd obviously planned to kind of step away from the management side once we got promoted this year. But uh, we didn't really find a suitable candidate, so I said I'd stay on for another year with the goes. Yeah, because I mean, the thing about it is the fact that you are, as I say, in the in the under thirty category. I mean, that it is a certain amount of responsibility uh, taken on a club week in, week out, and the commitment, and from a point of view of lifestyle at weekends, and whether it's wives or girlfriends or whatever the case may be, there's a certain amount of sacrifice in being available every weekend to play or manage. One thing I want to ask you, um, MK Dons, right? If I was playing you now tomorrow, I'd be kind of intimidated with a Dons name, right? I said to myself, MK Dons, Ennis Dons, a good, great name, I'm not going to even ask you where it came from, but... Black kit. You have a black kit. Who came up with the black kit? Uh, yeah, we actually did debate that for quite a while now with uh, myself and just three or four more that were found at the club. Uh, I just thought of uh, just a very clean look and then with the gold, like as a secondary colour, it kind of went well together. Like, And uh, we'd like to thought of that now. Well, we, someone's suggesting white as well, but I said not on the clerical league pitches. Uh, that wouldn't do it as well. 
No, I, you know, I, I think your I think your motherly nature is coming out in you there because that's what you always hear from the from the wives and the mothers of any age structure. They always say, "Not white or under or under twelves that I'm involved in, and under 11s it's all it's a white with a slightly blue strip." And they're like, "Can I go in any color but white? Any color but white?" Listen, Luke has a Luke has an interesting one for you now. Yeah, I just um, we'll talk a little bit of ball now, uh, if 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 you don't mind, and I'm I'm just looking at the uh, league here for the banner fire. For first division and uh you're comfortably mid table at the minute you've five games played six 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 points got and if i if i look at this right you started with a win uh a win a loss a win and two losses would that be correct yeah that's correct we had a great win an open game against ryan rovers and then uh uh step back against more Celtic at home and then we went out to sport in a assignment and got a great result uh, but unfortunately, the last two games we've been struggling to find the net. So hopefully, Sunday will change that. Well, well uh, pardon us for being a little bit biased, but we we hope you find the net. But we hope that Mount Shannon also <laughs> find the net. So I'll be diplomatic <laughs> point of view as well. So so y- you're either winner, you're winner lose, no draws yet. Maybe this you know seven time lucky might be the the first the the first time for a draw this weekend. Now listen, Thomas is going to ask you a few uh, sort of soccer. Uh, questions, uh, managerial ethos, the ethos of your club playing conditions and stuff like that and, and the structure that you do. So Tom, take that away. Okay, if you, like every every team has a spine and sometimes it's it's key players, sometimes it's a, it's another, it's a formation. If it came to Ennistans and you had your, your full contingent available on any given Sunday, who would be your key three to four players in your squad? Um, I suppose firstly would be Ryan Jennings. He's a, a very fit and strong player, a serious athlete. He's very versatile as he can play anywhere. If you have a hole in the team, he'll fill it and he'll do it exceptionally well. So he'd be the first one I'd say. Um, another one then I'd say would be Barry Woods. I always give him his uh, confidence because he's been with us since day one. Even when times aren't going so well, he's stuck with us. He's a very uh, creative midfielder. He kind of will be pulling the strings in midfield. Goes about his business quietly and just does a lot of the creative work. And then maybe another one would be Kingsley McCombe. He's a very quick player. Obviously good to get a goal as well. And then finally, he's probably a key player in different ways to some of that. Uh, Declan Insta, he's a great leader. He's one of the older lads on the team now. A great leader and a voice organiser on the pitch. And even if he's sitting out in the starting level, he's just a great leader. And when he speaks, the lads to listen. He's uh, very invited to the team as well. Listen, we we um we want to kind of focus on your hopes for the season. Now, as you said, you're you didn't expect to be up in the first division. You've you've got a kind of a, a share of wins, draws, losses. Mount Shannon are struggling big time in relation to getting a win. Uh, it is it is a very very tough division. Come next May or June, where would you like to be? Uh, well, you just hope for this season now to stay in the division. But that being said, we fancy ourselves every Sunday against anyone in the division. When we're on our day, we're brilliant. We can move the ball very well. We're quite a, we're a great ball-playing team. So on our day, we fancy ourselves against anyone in the division. But our main aim is to stay up. And hopefully we can do that. I'm sure you have similar aims yourselves. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I, as I said, I, I get to see very few of the Mount Shannon games, but I'd be in touch with the with the different uh, players and and management. But again, it's 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 like everything. It's 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 a transitional period, and you you you're trying to find your feet, and you go on a bit of a run, and then the weather changes and it's bleak, and there's games off, and you you lose that you lose that um yeah, how do you exactly. say momentum. Like I, I completely agree. Like obviously. We obviously came off a great win against Sport and then, then we didn't play for three weeks. With the weather and obviously just the referees, lack of referees, it's hard to get any bit of momentum going. And we're just hoping like to steady the ship now and stay in the division and build forward. Because after coming up two years in a row, it was a big shock to us this season. But we're, I think we're adapting well. Brilliant. Yeah, listen, it's, uh, Aaron, it's a, it's, a, it's a great story. Um, Luke has a final question for you. Yeah, Aaron, uh, I said, you know, I said... Uh, for a club that's literally established five years and, you you know, you've come up two tiers in, in the Clare League is a great achievement. You said with, with a squad of 36, um, you know, there's obviously a lot of very disappointed lads, I'm sure, that are travelling, you know, to games uh, week in and week out. We'd say, would you, you said you considered the option of a B team for this year? If you are successful and, you know, you sort of manage to hold, we'll say, hold hold your station in, in the in the division, do you think that could potentially be an option for you next year to, you know, as you, as you start to drive on as a club and try and develop to start to say, right, okay, if we could get maybe another five, six, seven uh, player signs, you know, 40, then you'd start to say, right, we've, we've a good panel for the A and a good panel for the B and try and develop some of the B and bring them up to the A as the season goes on. 100%. We had actually talked about it all summer and we had a time to do it this year. But uh, we didn't, at the on the transfer on in the summer we didn't really pick up as many as we thought we would and then obviously funding as well it was going to be a lot of extra expense so we decided to put it on the back burner but the NRO went out early and we picked up a lot of second a lot of sorry excuse me a lot of uh, players so looking back now we definitely should have we had about 24 on the line against Channel Olympic there two weeks ago so there's a lot of people a lot of clubs would like to have 24 in their club let alone have 24 on the line so listen that that that's a great that's a great story you have just would say in, in around the ennis area is it is it just the ennis catchment area generally where where, where you pull from or is there any particular part of town that you're strongest from or do, do you accept all comers oh we accept all comers but it is 90 percent in this and the surrounding area like obviously we have a few from Valley, Clanara, Valley, Valley, that area. Uh, that's about it, really. Most of my feminists. Okay. Or Road and Hinch Road for all right. That's great. Well, listen, uh, ahead of the week, the game at the weekend, we said this has been recorded on the day ahead and hoping that the we say when we're broadcast, hoping that the game has actually gone ahead and that the weather hasn't intervened. We'll wish you the very best of luck and uh, uh, on, on your travels out to East Clare and ho- hopefully it won't be the first or last time that we'll see you out here. So I'll leave it to Thomas to finish up. Aaron, listen, uh, we really appreciate you coming on today for our football show here on Scariff Bay Community Radio. Listen, uh, very best of luck on Sunday and hopefully the game will go ahead. And uh, thanks again for joining us. Great, thanks for having me. And I just want to say it's a great idea, lads. Clare Talker probably doesn't get the promotion it deserves, so it's great to see the East Clare Cubs getting some praise. Brilliant, lovely. Listen, thanks for that. Thanks for the feedback. Really appreciate it. Thanks very much, lads. 
Now, ahead of a big weekend of uh, soccer in East Clare and there's a big derby that we're going to discuss, we are joined on the phone by Mike Maloney of Tully United. Mike, it's the Friday before the Sunday. Hopefully the game is going to go ahead. This podcast goes out on Saturday, so hopefully uh, uh, we won't sort of be ruining a game cancelled due, due to the weather. But uh, just tell us, um, how are you looking forward to this weekend? Yeah, um, really looking forward to it. Um, I suppose we don't, or we haven't over the years, had too many derby matches with Kilkishan. Uh We had, obviously, a cup quarterfinal with them last season. Uh, we hadn't played them competitively for a long time before then. So uh, it's the first of at least uh, two derbies that we'll play this season. So, yeah, really looking forward to Sunday. OK. Now, Mike, uh, w- without sort of trying to sound too negative about it, uh, the table at the moment doesn't read very well for you. But uh, in your defence, and I'm going to say this up front, uh, three of your first fo- four games of the season have been against Avenue, Newmarket and Lifford. So uh, three very uh, tough games to sort of start uh, the, the season. So can you just sort of tell us uh, about that and the team's performances? Yeah, I mean, look, we've been really competitive in the four games that we've played so far, but there's um, kind of no prizes for artistic merit. You know, it's only getting results and getting points, really, that counts. And the table uh, reflects the fact that we haven't picked up a point so far. So, uh, yeah, the performances were good against Avenue in the market. Um, Lost to the market 3-1, lost to Avenue 2-1. But, um, you know, didn't get anything out of those games. Disappointed then to go down 4-3 to Cool, where we conceded a penalty early. Uh, we were 2-0 down kind of early enough in the game. And then despite dominating the rest of it, we couldn't get back level uh, at any stage. Ended up losing 4-3. And again, um, away to Lifford, uh, went behind. Uh, again, didn't get back level at any stage. Uh, got back to 3-2 and again lost the game narrowly. So I suppose, look, we've been in close in all of the four games we've got so far but uh, we need to start picking up points we know that uh, I think we're improving a little bit every day and we're hoping to bring that improvement up another notch on Sunday Yeah and I, I suppose you know the way that it, it is still early on in the season yet and like you know looking at Newmarket just looking at the league Newmarket have only played two games obviously and one of those was was against yourselves Avenue have sort of played five one five um, you know, Lifford will say who you played against. They've played four. They're on ten points, so you know they're going well as well. So it's it's like you've had the you know probably three of the top teams in in the division will say in your first four games. And taking the cool game aside, just looking at the rest of the table, you know, Kilrush have played three games. They're on a point. Bridge have played three games. They're on a point. Cool have played six, they're on three points, you know, so, uh, and Kilkishan have played five and they're on five and Kilkishan got their first win in, in the Premiership last time out. So, like, a positive result for you this weekend will sort of see you sort of climb the table, you know, to nicely. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of motivation for us there on Sunday. You know, obviously there's the motivation of playing our neighbours, but really it's all about picking up points. You know, same, as, same for Kilkishan. You know, they've done very well to pick up five points so far. And uh, we have no reason to take them lightly or to think that they're not going to be really up for this. You know, so it's making sure that we can match that or better it and be more motivated. Uh, you know, we'll be down in their backyard and 
we're expecting that we're going to have to fill our boots if we're going to get anything out of Sunday. Exactly. And listen, we'll wish, as always we say, especially for teams coming, we'll say from the East Clare side of things, we wish both of you the very best of luck in that. Tell me, how are you going? Um, have you any serious injuries going into the game or uh, how are things squad-wise? Yeah, look, we, we've had a couple of players, I suppose. Um, we haven't had Jarrah Corrie hardly at all this season. We had him for a half of the game against Cool, but he wasn't really fit. I think he struggled through the hurling season and uh, he, he came back to his injured. He's also uh, recently become um, a father to a baby boy, so he's spending a good bit of time probably up at night time uh, doing his bit of the parenting. So we won't have Dara on Sunday, but we've known that from well out. Uh, we're missing our one of our keepers, Simon Kilker, on Sunday, who um, had an ankle injury in a Hearty Cup game for St. Joseph's uh, recently. But we have a very good keeper in his place in Aaron Curtis. Uh, and we have uh, James Wallace uh, missing on Sunday. And we have uh, Fiacra Hale missing on Sunday as well. But we have a good, strong squad of players. So we won't be making any excuses on the injuries front. Okay, well, listen, that 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 that's good to hear. Uh, from a club point of view, have you anything uh, anything sort of lined up uh, fundraising wise for Christmas or any events coming up that you want to tell us about? Well, we're in the middle of a fundraiser at the moment, so we're we're down to the last, I think, forty or so in our last man standing. Um, we, I don't think we do have a Christmas fundraiser. Uh, we got great support for our golf classics back a couple of months ago, and we're very thankful to those who sponsored us and uh, to those who played in the competition. Uh, we'll probably have another last man standing coming up uh, in the spring, and we'll be trying to plug that with you uh, on Scarif Bay uh, when we do have that going. And we appreciate uh, the opportunity uh, to be able to promote our fundraisers uh, through yourselves so uh, yeah nothing at the moment other than our current last man standing but um, yeah we'll definitely have fundraisers coming up again before the season is out perfect and as, as we said uh, being no uh, doubt that uh, we'd be more than uh, delighted to sort of uh, to help in any way that we can to promote you with those fundraisers as well because as I said we're all about try, trying to help our local communities and we'll say Tully United has been on the go for more than 50 years uh, back in the Premier Division and uh, hopefully uh, go, going to stay there for the foreseeable future Mike it's been a pleasure to talk to you and uh, we'll be back uh, with uh, the football show uh, for a Christmas edition and hopefully we'll be talking to you then in relation to uh, the, the derby this weekend and a few games hopefully that weather permitting you have played in the meantime so the very best of luck for this weekend and we will talk to you soon Great, thanks a lot Luke Appreciate it Now, Tom, uh, for those of our uh, regular listeners, uh, and thankfully we have a few after our first episode, they might be sort of wondering, where the Jesus were you last week? But a month can be kind of pinpointed in different particular days of that month. It doesn't have to be at the beginning of the month, the middle of the month. We just say we're doing a monthly podcast, so we're still within the month. Yeah, so on yeah, technicality, we're there. It was a good job we did the first one the start of October. <laughs> right, so we've a bit to go in November. But listen, it has all worked out May West, as the man says, because we weren't in a position to go recording last week. But we have a mega guest currently waiting in the in the background for us now a uh, player lady a banner lady captain fantastic lady so i am going to let you do the introductions and take it away well 
All I'm seeing is headlines here of Ryan captains at Lone Town to glory. Ryan leads at Lone Town to FAI Cup glory. Uh, it's it's a fantastic story. I'm delighted to have Laurie Ryan on the phone with us this afternoon. And Laurie, uh, first of all, a, a massive congratulations uh, to you and the rest of your players with at Lone Town, and of course your manager as well, Kieran Kilduff, um, has to take an awful lot of credit from for how would you say what a fantastic success can you give us just a kind of a summary of of what it feels like to be um an fai winner like you have been now um thanks so much i suppose it's a bit surreal still um we've probably been doing the dog and the celebrations the last week so um i think it's really going to hit home in the next few days what we what we've actually achieved and I know myself on Sunday we came home um Tatlone and we walked over the bridge with the trophy and we went back to a local rugby club here and um I, I went back to the hotel after with one of the girls and I just sat in the bed and started crying and was like, We actually have done it, we've won the FAI Cup. Um so I think after being so close last year as well, it probably makes it that little bit sweeter. Yeah, I mean, speaking about being close, I mean, you're talking about, uh, in your case, it's not a thin red line, it's actually the width of a crossbar. What's the difference between winning the final and not? I mean, and the emotions and just seeing all the girls running towards uh, your goalkeeper, her name, her name, uh, how do you, eludes me right now. But again, uh, goalkeepers can be so much in the focus, but equally so, a centre half, you need a quality centre back and that's the position you play. Yeah, so like uh, Katie Keane as uh, our goalie, and in fairness, her, we've had um, three penalty shootouts since she came in, and I think she saved three, if not four, penalties in them. So um, she's been amazing for us, and it, it, it is a great moment when she actually stood up and didn't realise it was over. Oh, but she stalled for a second, and then we all go sprinting at her. Um, so yeah, so I actually play as a central defensive kind of midfielder. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's it's tough, tough going at times, but I really enjoy it. Um, like really challenging, and you tend to actually be up against some of the the best uh, players in the league. They often play in the ten or the striker and switch in and out. Um, so it's a real challenge, which I, I really enjoy as well. And speaking of the challenges, I mean, Kieran Kilduff has come in as as manager. Was it this summer? Yeah, just this summer gone. Yeah, so very new to us. Um, so he came in just before we went on our mid season break. Um, so he's he's only been with us a very short time. So he's he's done amazing in fairness to him, and um, he he really hit the ground running. Um, probably came in in a really tough situation where a lot of us would have really liked and gone on with Tommy. So it wasn't that anyone had fell out with Tommy or anything like that. It was a, a tough situation to see him leave the club. Um, uh, but Kieran, in fairness, was so respectful and came in and really just put the groundwork in to get to know us. Well, uh, the, the word you use, respectful. And um, I'm going to kind of go backwards to go forwards. Um, as a young girl growing up in Clare, I presume, let's say you, you probably went to, to, to secondary inside in Clare, the, the roots of playing soccer or any ball sport for that for that matter, how how did it all begin? Because it's, it's, it's not easy in today's environment where 
you have so many of our young people, let's say, that would be everything is, is through the phone and there's, there's a lack of, I suppose, exercise as they, as they go through their teens. You can see a massive, massive drop off. What was the difference for you as you were growing up, let's say, in an environment where, let's say, sport was you can take it or leave it and you had both soccer and you had Gaelic there? Yeah, so I actually played a lot of sports when I was younger and um, probably fell in with a good group of friends in, in primary school. So I would have went to primary school in the Holy Family. Okay. Um, and one of my friends was going to join in Lifford and her mother brought me along kind of and was like, oh, if you want to come, come with us and I'd go to her house after training um, every time we had training and we'd go together and it'd be kind of the thing we'd do. Um, and then probably... So we started playing with Lifford and we were travelling every weekend going playing matches and it was great fun. Um, and then we were playing school um, in in the Holy Family and it was like five a side. Um, it was Rabina soccer at the time. Um, there's actually a picture of it doing the round somewhere. Of okay. We actually won in All-Ireland. Well um, done, okay. And so that's probably like when, when you start winning things, it's very hard to stop wanting to win things. Um, and we had a, a really good team and we'd won a, probably a monster title with Lifford as well in, in kind of five or seven side sets. So but that was great crack, like, and getting to travel and go to McDonald's afterwards was always massive when you're younger. Like, you know, it, it was a, probably a real draw to us to stay going and, and the car journeys would be great fun. Everything would be great fun, really. Um, and as you get older, it probably does get a little bit more serious, but... I went to secondary school in St. Flannan. Okay. And uh, probably really blessed as well. Like, we had a great group of girls in first year. Like, we won the Camogie first year title, the ladies football first year title, I think. Um, and we won the All-Ireland sea basketball. And we actually won the All-Ireland soccer um, in the school. And I was captain of that team at the time. Right. Um, and I would have played and represented Munster within the school set then. And got to go to Irish Child. So started getting a little bit more serious maybe then. Um, but I still just really enjoyed it. And the same then we won another All-Ireland when I was in second year of secondary school. So I suppose when you are winning, it's, you, you don't really think about giving it up. You're nearly thinking, what else can I win? Yeah. Um, and that's probably what, what, what kept me kind of involved in it as well as I was very competitive and I, I loved having medals. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean that's a, that's a, that's a that's a key part of it being being competitive. And tell me something. I'm going to let Luke come in here now shortly. Um, basically, um, you're a dual player, realistically, or you mentioned basketball as well. So you're kind of a, a triple, a triple X, so to speak. But the thing is, how did it come that you got noticed in a, in a big way when it came to football as well as soccer? Because over the years when I was playing, you had uh, let's say Claire. Uh, senior men for the hurlers let's say that would have been excellent soccer players as well and they would have played both over the season and then when Claire kicked in all, obviously they were they were taken they were taken on the on the on the series training when it came to the county but the thing is for yourself what was your journey let's say into let's say Claire football yeah it's probably different like when, when I was under 12 say like I would have been on our B team in the banner Okay. Um, and it's still kind of a running joke in the club at the minute um, because like all the girls got to play the A final in Cusick Park and I, they, a lot of them went to Fela with the banner they were they were 
under 12s with went and travelled with the under 14s. But I ended up actually going to America with Lifford to play soccer because I wasn't involved in that Taylor team. Probably, um, probably a blessing, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, the following year we we came back and we went. It was our first time in a Division One Taylor with the banner. Um, and we actually won it. So it was our first Division One failure and we went on to win it, which at the time was like a phenomenal, really. Like we were beating massive clubs from Kerry, Dublin. Like we were, we were kind of beating everyone and probably took it a little bit for granted, like how special that was for an under 14 club team to, to do. And in the same year, we won the under 14 All Ireland with Lifford and majority of us played both. <laughs> um, so we got to go up to Dublin and play an All Ireland final there. Um, and after that, my football kind of kicked on. I, I got called into Clare under 14s and I had never been in a, a county really set up. Um, and we won a B All-Ireland. And then the following year, um, was, I was under 16, but they, I actually played with the Clare Miners that year. I think I played four years with Clare Miners. Um, so out of nowhere, I went from being on my club's B team to playing with the banner that won Fela and then the following year I was only 14 and I was playing Clare Minor, Clare 16 and I was starting for the banner seniors. So all of a shot it just kind of really took off and yeah, it just kind of, I, I kept rolling with it and to be honest now, my family has no real interest in sports so they kind of didn't really know what was going on. I was just busy all the time and I'll never forget they were t- kept telling me I couldn't play senior with the club because they're they're some of the, the girls I was playing with were the same age as my mother. So I go get a lift from the, the old Ennis National School and I'd be telling her to go into every sort of match but a senior one and she drove past one day and saw me standing outside with the older girls and she rang me and was like, where are you going? And I was like, I'm in the car now, I'll see you later. And to, you know, but, it's, it's funny you, you speak about your mum. I mean, parents are, are very, very important in the background when it comes to sport and, in, you know, the enthusiasm that they would bring to a boy or a girl in relation to, to kind of following their dreams. But I mean, success has certainly followed you. Um, from time to time, when you get to a standard which you're playing at and have played at, um, you know, the, there's, there's, a, there's a real edge to the game and sometimes there can be injuries. And I'm just going to, to let Luke come in here at this stage because there's, there's a certain angle that we'd, we'd want to speak about in relation to yourself and injuries. Yeah, well, I, I suppose, Laurie, you, you sort of left out a few important things there. Uh, you, we say, <laughs> while, while you might have started off in, on the B team, uh, uh, you sort of progressed pretty much on and you were captain of the Clare County team and you, you've competed in all Ireland as well. So just before we get into other questions, <laughs> just tell us a little bit about that. And we'll say the, the last few years, we'll say playing for Clare. Yeah, so um joined the Clare senior panel when I was 16. So I was quite young at the time. Um, and I went in and to be honest, I'd actually trained with them the year previous for one or two sessions. Uh, they were training for the Intermediate All-Ireland Final and they'd often bring myself and Evo D and a few others in to make up the numbers to play in-house games. And I'd often go home and be like, oh my God, there's no way I could ever get to that level. Um, it's just the pace, but it was so quick. And yeah, I went in with Claire when I was 16 and uh, probably never really left. Yeah, you're still there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. in yeah. and out every now and then. Like I've taken a couple of leagues off. Um, and yeah, I've, I've captained Claire for five years. So I was obviously very privileged to get that opportunity and was lucky enough to play in Crow Park with him twice. So we have like, although we haven't had the trophies, we've had great journeys 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, like really, really loved playing for Clare and loved getting to kind of play at that level. Yeah, well, um, but I suppose it's it's maybe rare in a way for, you know, they go on about dual players in GA on the lad side of the things now as well. And both Thomas and myself would be the first to admit we know sweet FA about uh, the GA in general. So but we just hear, oh, yeah, dual players are gone, gone, gone. But here, here, here's a, a dynamic Claire Banner lady that has sort of playing dual, 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 dual play uh, football, uh, say soccer and Gaelic football at, at, the, at a, a very high level. And succeeding at it so I think uh, like in life the ladies can show the lads how to do things uh, in many different ways but listen I, I want to come back um, a little bit we say that there's a great line in relation to sort of competition now you, you've outlined we'll say you know a number of competitions and we'll say how you got on and had success and different things as well but there's always a line about sometimes you need to lose one to win one and I would. I just want you to go back a few a, f- a few years ago. Um, you and we'll say we'll go back to a time when maybe when things weren't as rosy in the garden as as they are. It would say this week. Um, you suffered a concussion, and that had uh, an effect on you. Both we'll say from a personal level and from a sporting level as well. Could you? Put into words, we'll say, how it went at the time. It was an accidental uh, accident, uh, that uh, accidental incident that happened, we'll say, when you were playing a game of football. And you didn't really realise at the time what was going on. Would that be the best way to describe it? Because in, in GAA and sort of sport in Ireland, there's a lot of, I think there still is a lot of um, unknown. People aren't very aware about the whole thing in relation to concussion. So could you just talk about that, if you don't mind, for a few minutes? Yeah, so I, I got, it was a very accidental bang and I kind of stood up and I was like, I don't feel great. So I went off and was chatting to everyone on the sideline and I we won the league that day and I was celebrating and I, I didn't really remember much of it, but I drove home anyway because I thought I was fine. Um, that was probably the big thing. I, I thought I was okay. And then I got home and I realized that I probably wasn't um I probably wasn't myself and I was texting my boyfriend and I, I, I was telling him that I got a bang and uh he goes, You haven't spelled one thing right so uh you definitely shouldn't drive to Dublin. I was working in Dublin at the time and he was like, Make sure you tell your nana so that she knows um not to uh like let you drive or whatever. So yeah, I got the train to Dublin and I actually had to leave work the next day because I couldn't concentrate or sit down or focus. And I ended up having to take three months off after that. So it was a very um, a tough kind of situation to be in. I had to move home basically and move in with my nana and not be able to do much. Um, I had to like depend on them to, to do nearly any driving I needed or go to doctors or hospital appointments and yeah, it was tough going um, because you're obviously so used to being independent and having a job and looking after yourself and then next thing you're dependent on people to do everything for you kind of and help you with all aspects of life. And I couldn't even sit down and talk to them really because I was probably so in my head about the, the concussion and I, I couldn't, my eyes were my biggest problem. So it meant I couldn't focus or listen or move my eyes when people were talking to me. Okay, and that must have been very difficult for you, I, I can imagine, you know, because you said you, you've been so active, uh, I'm, not only I'm sure from a work point of view, but from a sporting point of view, to sort of, you know, to being able to 
be happy-go-lucky, go wherever you want, whenever you want, play whenever, wherever you want, to literally, you know, have to have someone to drive you around and not be able to concentrate properly. Yeah, it was It was actually, it was really challenging. And I think my family probably got the worst of it in that they had to see me like that. Um, they, they had to sit down and they had to be the ones to see me struggling every day. Um, and probably it took me a while to figure out what was actually wrong or how to actually deal with it as well. So, like, most people think if you get a concussion, you just rest. But the reality is you actually have to do physio on it in order to get better. Um, so it took me about three weeks to, to figure that out because my initial doctor I went to a walking clinic was like, oh, just go home and rest and you'll be fine. But, like, weeks, days were passing by and I was just getting worse, not fine. So um, that was probably a, a big setback as well in that no one really knew how to handle it um, and my managers were like oh we'll be back this week or oh we'll be back training like Captain Clare at the time we're in a Munster final championship is around the corner so they were all getting a bit antsy and I just hadn't a clue what to tell them and obviously when it's your head people can't see it so that meant that they were constantly questioning oh are you grand yet or oh are you okay whereas at least if I had a cast on they, they could see that I couldn't go back to training uh, it's funny you mentioned about that about not knowing what to say I mean there's there's pressure in in our daily lives whether it's work pressure whether it's pressure from from all sorts of different elements but when it when it comes to sport I remember um, years ago reading an article about a top class soccer manager and if you were injured he wouldn't even acknowledge you walking down the corridor of the club basically and once you were fit, you were, you were, you were, let's say you were a part of the team again, but he had apps. Now, this is, this is more an old school manager compared to today. But the thing about it is, you know, there, there is pr- pressure in the game. And I mean, from, from, a, from a psychological point of view, you just want to be fit. And you mentioned there about physio. I was at um, a physio this week in relation to, to my knee. Uh, but in relation to concussion, what kind of physio do you have to do for something like that? Yeah, so it's very mentally draining. Um, like a lot of what I was doing was so simple. I'd come home and show my nana and she could do it no problem, which was very demoralizing. Um, but it was looking at a lollipop stick and moving my head from left to right like that was that was probably my biggest challenge or holding my two fingers um shoulder width apart and moving my eyes between them um and then it might be a case of she might hold a piece of thread up against my nose with three beads on it and get me to focus on the beads really quickly but sure I couldn't do it um so it was it was really really tough going for me and then probably another big thing that I had to do was my coordination she might tell me look away from her and jump and catch football and throw back there and I just couldn't process all that information together so it, it, it takes me really really long to do it um, and obviously when you know what you're capable of it's very hard to be in a situation where you're like I, I can't remember what you're I'm just looking at her in disbelief nearly of like what's the next step here <laughs> But I mean, it's from from your downtime, the things that we all take for granted. I mean, we take for granted listening to the radio, watching TV, reading a book, whatever the case may be. I mean, your downtime, both let's say when you had concussion, was was virtually nil. I mean, what could what could you do other than have a cup of tea and 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 converse with your folks or whatever? I mean, it's or your friends. I mean, it's it's a it's a very debilitating uh, injury. Yeah, and. 
obviously a big symptom I had was tiredness as well. And that isn't, it wasn't always good for me to sleep. So the physio was like, try not to sleep during the day. So there was times I just had to go up and lie in my bed because I couldn't be in the sitting room, say, because my mum and nana were there and it was just too many people talking. The TV was hurting my eyes. My phone was hurting my eyes. So I just sitting in my bed trying not to fall asleep. So it's very lonely and it was, it was very mentally, like, tough I, I think that was probably the biggest thing for me and probably wasn't until I got out the other side that I, I started to suffer a bit in terms of like I, I had to go to counselling and deal with what the effects of it that it had on me and like I was just sitting at a table crying because I just didn't feel myself and it was it was very tough going um, to come out the other side so although I was back playing I still wasn't perfect either. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose like most things like that, Laurie, you know, and I think the vast majority of us don't really understand fully the whole thing with concussions, but as I said, you've sort of experienced, lived through it. Now, I'm going to get you away from that a little bit now because I'm sure that's probably a hard thing for you to talk about. And I know you've been an advocate, uh, you know, in relation to concussions uh, in sport and would say the the organisations between we say the ladies GA and and uh, ladies soccer. Do you think that we'll say from maybe prior to wh- when you had your uh, incident and how the situation is now, have things improved in relation to getting the message out there? And you know, it's it's sort of like it's an invisible injury, as you said before. If you were wearing a cast, your manager or your coach would say, "Okay, she's not coming back this week. She's she's wearing the cast." But if you're sort of there on the sideline looking looking at a game and they start there, what? wrong with you are you all right you know uh, it ha- has have um we'll say have the the sporting uh, uh, bodies sort of got engaged with it as a topic and are they doing anything to assist people that would be victims of concussions you know at the moment or going going forward yeah so i suppose obviously at soccer we have a physio present at every session so that's brilliant and it's a great step forward and the same with the the gaelic we we do with claire as well um, one, I obviously liaised a bit with the GPA because I, I, they they assisted me in getting my counselling um, and it was something I said to them was like the physio or the doctor didn't have a baseline concussion test for me so that meant that they couldn't tell me when I was 100% better but they could tell me when I was nearly better based on their judgement of where I should be. So they have actually started implementing baseline testing for county teams I think as well so I think that's been rolled out which is fantastic. Obviously, the big problem is club level, which is where I got hurt. And it was very little known about it um, at the time, and I was probably the first case in the club. But since then, obviously, they're a bit more aware of it because of me, but every club isn't aware of it. So it's just something that I have to keep promoting and keep talking about, I think, in order to kind of get it known and get the get the message out and how to deal with it or who to advise a person to see. Like, I know since it happened to me, I've probably had the bones of 100 emails, texts, Twitter messages or calls from people asking like what did I do or how did I feel or it might just be as simple as I have these symptoms did you have those like it's because it, it is so lonely and you just feel like it's only happening to you at the time but when you get to talk to people you realise that they, they suffer as well um, but yeah obviously another thing I struggled with was actually putting in a, um, my my claim say from the LGSA because I couldn't look at a computer and I lived with my nana and she, she didn't know how to work computers at the time. like So that was something I just didn't do because it was too much of a hindrance for me. So um, I mentioned that um, to the to the GFA as well to see if there's anything they could do to help people 
Um, and I think that, that is a service now that, that is available. I think that they can help with stuff like that. So it's great. Okay, so out of out of it all, positives have come, and you know, I suppose the fact that you have, you know, you have you have a profile, and it's sort of great that you can sort of use that profile to be of benefit, you know, to to younger, older people, and as you said yourself, it's sort of at club level is probably where it's nearly, it's more important than. Uh, at the senior levels, because we say at senior levels, you said there's a physio, there's a physio there at the uh, on the sideline. Whereas at the, some of the club games or the you know the underage games, that might not always be the case, and someone mightn't recognise the symptoms. But listen, uh, we'll I'm going to go backwards a little bit now, and we'll then we'll come we'll come full forward because um, as COVID we say came, uh, you moved to Athlone and. To talk about how your football career um, sort of r- resurrected itself, there, there, there's a little bit of a sort of sliding door moment. Would you sort of tell us tell us about that? Yeah, so I, I got a job um, lecturing and at loan. Um, I had been in jail previously and um, I decided with COVID it was better to move up here because I was teaching in the lab, so I actually had to come into the college. Um, um, and I was living with my nan, obviously, so then... It was a scenario where I didn't want to be bringing anything home to her, but um, I, I moved up here and um, I decided to take a break from Clare because it was just the, the travelling wasn't feasible at the time and I'd have nowhere in Clare to kind of rest my head. So I came back up anyway to that loan and I remember one of my friends from Lifford actually texted me and was like, will, will you play soccer this year for us? Um, and I thought about it and I was like, i not even playing football this year. So don't feel too left out because every year she'd be given out that I only played football. Um, and she said, would you join a soccer club in that loan? And I said, oh, I would. Yeah, to make friends. Like, um, And she goes, oh, that's great. I, I text them at loan town and they said that they'll see you training on Saturday, I think. And I was like, oh, God. I said, um, I, I looked them up anyway. And obviously I noted they were in the league pilot. Um I was like, what the hell have you just done? Um, but I ordered boots and gear because I didn't obviously have any up with me in that alone. And uh, I was humming and hawing anyway, will I or won't I? And I kept saying to my boyfriend, I don't think I'm going to go because, you know, I was 27, I think, at the time. And it's kind of like, will I bother putting myself out there? Like, I've played clear football. I, I've done a lot. And do I need this? And um, anyway, the door rang on the doorbell rang on Saturday morning, and I, I didn't actually answer it, and it rang again. So I went running down, and the person at the door was like, oh, "Are you Laurie Ryan, the clear the clear footballer?" And I was like, um, "I was like, I've played football, yeah." And he was like, "Are you going to Lone Town, Charles, later?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm Mike." He goes, "Well, I'm the manager, so I'll see you later." <laughs> um, and my boyfriend was skipping, laughing upstairs. Brilliant. He goes, "It looks like you're going now." Um, and I actually went and I trained with the under-19s that night and I was dreadful. Um, myself and Roshan Malloy, who plays that alone, we joined the same night and we still laugh about how bad we were with the under-19s. Uh, we don't know how they kept us on, but we're, we're still there now. So, Well, you've you've answered one or two questions um, that I had. If Eileen Gleeson came calling 
for uh, an international debut, what what are the chances? What if you're twenty? Let me see. What are, what are we talking about now? I know you should never ask a lady her age. I just turned thirty. Uh, you're twenty nine. You're twenty nine in a bit. That's all. Prime. Prime. No, 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 no. She's she's prime. Look at look at uh, Casemiro with Manchester United. You know they got a, they got at least a year out of him. But the thing about it is, um, you talk about a training schedule. Kieran Kilduff has come in. How many nights a week? Would you actually train, and you would be considered, I suppose, um, amateur, semi-professional? What would what would you what would you categorize yourself as? Yeah, so fairly amateur, to be honest. Now, yeah, but I for Athlone we train on a Monday night, a Tuesday night, and a Thursday night, and a match every Saturday. Okay, that's a, that's a, that's a fair, um, yeah, that's a, that's a heavy workload because you've got your your normal job as well. And tell me, as let's say downtime. In relation to Laurie Ryan, is she going to be kind of on her phone come the the pre-date uh, announcement for the up and coming Pink concert up in the Aviva? Are you going to be are you going to be there in the queue with all the thousands looking for Pink tickets, or are you into heavy metal when you're in your off time? No, so I actually spent a lot of time during the summer queuing for Taylor Swift tickets. Oh, you're a Swiftie! You're a Swiftie! Yeah, I'm definitely a Swiftie. Um, and I I was planned to go to Electric Picnic hopefully if everything falls right next year as well so I have a bit planned to, to relax and I went to Wimbledon the last two years so I've applied for those tickets again and wow. I'd love to go there again that's, that's, that's brilliant yeah I, I know I, I, I've read about uh, previously Laurie we say where you you were asked about some of your sporting heroes and Roger Federer is a name that was mentioned um, tennis Obviously, is a you know it's a, an individual game unless you're playing doubles. How we say? Can you tell me your level of admiration for him? You know, because so, sometimes if you, you'd ask people who are their who are their um, idols, and if you know if it's a soccer player, it'll be another soccer player. But uh, you know, Federer, little bit of a uh, you know for a one a one person sport. Yeah, but he's a winner. He's a winner. You you know you have to be listening to to what's called to what she's been saying now for the last half an hour. It's all about you know what I mean. There's that standard bearer. Yeah, I suppose like I just grew up watching a, a bit of Wimbledon every time it was on, um, and he's always someone that I always felt came across really, really well. Um, he handles himself really well, speaks really well, and plays with I don't know is it like kind of freedom nearly in a, in a sense that uh, he's really enjoyable to watch, really very silky to watch as a tennis player. Um, obviously he's retired, so I never got the chance to actually see him at Wimbledon. But my new my new favorite tennis player now is Carlos Alcaraz, and I remember two years ago when I was going over to Wimbledon, I was like, I'd love to see him. And I had I told my boyfriend six months previous he's my new favorite, and no one had ever heard of him. And obviously, then we got to actually see him um two years ago on on court one, um and then he won it this year, so I was delighted. I was like, I picked him before he was ever famous. Excellent. Oh, you see, she's she's not just good on the pitch; she's good at spotting talent off the ah, pitch. Ah, well. there you go. And tell me, was there any jealousy with uh, with your boyfriend? I presume he's the same boyfriend that you've had right right through all the different scenarios. Yeah, 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 and uh, not at all. So he was only delighted to get to come to Wimbledon with me. So, but listen, um, he's he's going to get very little of your time as well now. If you're training Monday, Tuesday, Thursday match on Saturday, is he not giving out? Is he not saying, "Come on, Laurie, you're you're going to give me a bit more time here." Uh, he he always says to me, "I'll see you next week when I give my weekly schedule." <laughs> um, keep so, him keen, Laurie. You're obviously doing quite a good job of it, so keep keep him keen. Um, <laughs> It'd be all we're good. lucky enough; we we live together, so we we 
get to see each other is over it. But he's very good in that he drives me to a lot of my matches to spend time with me and he'd be a big supporter of um at known and Claire and he he's actually from Claire himself, so uh we'd often go home for, for a couple of days if we ever get the chance as well with work and stuff. So uh, we, we we manage our way around it. My family are probably the ones that are missing out a bit now because I'm off and out alone a bit more than I probably would have been. And from let's say ambition, okay, we're we're 30 years of age. We're just after lifting the FAI Cup. Um, as I said to you earlier, if Eileen came calling, would you would you step across that line for the Irish team? Uh no, I kind of I I doubt it now at this point. I remember. Um, the last year when I got player of the month the the, the assistant coach had rang at loan about maybe getting me into home base training at the time and I was like absolutely not <laughs> I said definitely not for me another night training a week and I was playing with Claire as well as at loan so that was actually five nights training two matches yeah. anyway um, and I, I just don't think it's something that I would be overly interested in um, obviously it'd be a great experience and stuff like that but I, I don't really think it's something I'm willing to push enough time in to, to get back what I'd want to get out of it. Uh, Tom, I, I don't think this lady is going to have time to do anything <laughs> like, like like that. I said, Jesus, can give the girl has to have a break. But listen, Laurie, can I, can I ask you a question in relation to uh, any of the ladies that will say you grew up with playing soccer in Clare? Are there many more playing in the league? Yeah, so... Um, one of the, the girls um, that plays for Clare Football with me, actually, Chloe Maloney, uh, won the league with Piedmont this year. Um, so she'd be someone I'd be very close with. Um, and we actually were up in an awards night last night and got a picture together with the two cups, which is lovely. Um, and then uh, Galway and Treaty have had a, a lot of Clare involvement over the years. So Galway, um, Lindsay McKee and Ashley Meany would have been from, came from Lifford. Um, so great to see a lot of Lifford girls involved in the in the league and even a lot, just a lot of Clare girls I suppose it's great to, to have that kind of that you meet people that you know yeah um, it's, it's 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 like it like you know when they say that you know the family of football it is it is like that because when you make good friends and you're 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 both sports colleagues as well on and off the field it makes a, it makes a huge difference listen if you were to give a little bit of advice for a young girl or boy um, finding their feet in the football or, or uh, how do you say the Gaelic football world or whatever sport it is is there any piece of advice that you would say that has got you through tough times and good times because I know you've got to celebrate the good times because there's, there's going to be loads of, of, of bumps in the road is there any little bit of advice just to just to finish off um, our little chat with you today probably just take any opportunities that, that you get um, that's probably what I did when my friend said, do you want to come to a soccer training with me or do you want to play community games football? Like I hadn't been playing Gaelic football up until that night. Um, so by saying yes to those things, I've I, I literally had a, a world and career in sports. So um, if you just go with the flow and like do stuff that your friends are doing to try it out and if you don't like it, that's fair enough. But at least you've tried and when a tug of war situation arises between different codes of sport, do you do you go with your heart, or do you do you speak to the management and say, "Listen, I've only got so many days of the week. I can, I, I'd love to do both, and I love both sports, but realistically, you know, you're going to have to give me a break in relation to my own body and fitness and bits and pieces." Are they, let's say, are management today very approachable in relation to that? Yeah, in fairness, like I've been really lucky with everyone that I've worked with that they kind of 
understand that. Like, I, I want to train. I love training. So if I'm telling them that I, I need a little break, it's not because of me trying to not do running or me trying to pull out of the hard sessions. It's just I, I genuinely do feel a bit stiff or sore. Um, but the other side of it is, like, there is tough days when you have to make a decision. And that's when I probably struggle the most is when I feel like I'm letting people down. Um, like this year, say, I had to choose between um, my cup semi-final with Atlone or my club final with the banner and they're not the days that you enjoy and probably feel horrible like regardless of the fact we won both I still didn't feel great after the, the, the day because I had had to let a group of girls down that were, were wanting me to go and play with them and they're not the days that I'd enjoy but they're probably inevitable when you're playing two sports and it's me that probably has to, to carry that cross. If I want to keep playing the two, I have to be able to get through those days as well as the, the good days. Well, as my colleague sitting across from me said to me earlier today, he said, I can't be in four places at once. And that's, <laughs> that's like, sounds like you. Listen, can I just say, it's, it's been fantastic speaking to you to, uh, today. Um, taking our call and getting in touch with Athlone Town and coming back to me. It's great because, as I said, it's for so many people that are listening out there today, you're an inspiration. Um, you're a hero to an awful lot of young girls coming up through the game and they're looking at you. And as I say, you've got to kind of embrace that and as I said age isn't everything and hopefully there's more how would you say glorious days ahead for you both with Athlone Town and no matter what you do and as I said your your poor boyfriend has been backing you up uh, what's called lock stock and uh, barrel from a point of view of, of, of your ambitions um, Laurie Ryan um, you know you've, you're, you're an inspiration to us all in relation to both what you've been through on the injury front and also with regards to um, every sport that you've that you've played, I just want to say thanks a million for joining us here on Scarif Bay Radio. It has been fantastic speaking with you. Thanks so much for having me. Cheers, Laurie. Listen, the very best of luck and talk soon. Okay, okay. That's, that's great. Thanks for being here, Laurie. Uh, that's absolutely f- fabulous. And uh, I, I'm sure most be heard sort of splitting the loyalty with the banner ladies and, and, and the soccer on occasions as well. But I'm sure uh, <laughs> on both sides, they're they're absolutely delighted for you. And we, 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 everyone in, in Clare is very proud of you as and well. i got to ask you one last question, as I do. Are you watching I'm a Celebrity? Get me out of there. No, I'm just started and we were celebrating. So I've missed all this week. <laughs> <laughs> We actually uh, well, had an awards uh, night in Dublin and um, our hotel was in Parnell Street, so it was probably one of the worst experiences of our lives. We didn't know what we were going to be doing. Okay, well, listen, as I said, you're, 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 missing, you're missing nothing in lots of ways, but you're missing a few bits <laughs> and pieces as well. But listen, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're going to cope. Listen, Laurie Ryan, celebrations. absolutely. <laughs> listen, watch out for the postman and uh, we'll talk to you very soon. Good luck. Okay. Thanks so much. Bye. Thanks, Laurie. Sorry, thanks a million. Bye-bye. Now, we have on the line Dennis Hines, our FAI coordinator, and I, I suppose he's like the, the godfather of Clare football, really, when it comes to the FAI. What's your proper title, Dennis, actually? Uh, well, it's not as uh, probably controversial as godfather <laughs> uh, and FAI, Tom. That was the best, uh, best choice of ours. Uh, I agree at the moment, but um, no, my official title is FAI County Development Officer. Yeah, but that's boring, though. In fairness, he's, I mean, anything. He's watching and... too much TV, Dennis. That's a, he's been watching too much TV. He's been probably watching uh, uh, the Royals and uh, various other things Worse. on Netflix. You know, worse, worse than that, uh, Dennis. Um, 
are you are you kind of indulging in the I'm a celebrity, get me out of there camp? Yeah, no, no, I stay clear of all that. Uh, yeah, he's got more sense, Tom. Yeah, yeah, Dennis, this is a question Thomas asks everybody, and I think he's just waiting for someone that he can actually have an actual conversation uh, with about it, because anyone he's asked has said, no, I don't watch that, I don't watch that. But listen, we want to talk about soccer here rather than I'm a celebrity. We're delighted to have you as our guest on. Uh, so, Tom, take it away. Right, we'll start at the very top. Um, Oscar trainer duties, Dennis. Uh, coaching the side, um, bad result last weekend? Uh, yeah, look, disappointing. Uh, the nature of it, Tom, that the Oscar trainer competition obviously was off the calendar there for a good few years, so it thankfully came back this year round. Um, and the management team was appointed, you know, fairly late in the day as regards you know, preparations and that, but nonetheless, um, we, we were in a group of three, so the nature of the competition with two games, it doesn't really allow for any margin of error, you know. Um, so Donny Gary, he was reappointed as, as manager for a two-year term alongside myself, and we brought in Aaron Ryan, who's a, an active coach there with Kilrush Rangers. Um, so that was the coaching team. So I suppose we in the last five weeks um, we kind of because Avenue and your market would have made up the bones of the squad uh, we kind of tended to leave those with their club commitments so we would only literally collect the squad the week of a game um, and I suppose in game one we were drew away to Limerick and probably what's been common in both games is a, is a slow enough start you know. Um, we conceded a goal after 12 minutes and another one, crucially, just on the stroke of half-time. You know, in our second-half performance against Limerick was decent enough. We got a late goal back and maybe had a chance to snatch a draw. Um, and then, obviously, we knew last weekend, following that result, that we needed to get the win against uh, Kerry. Um, you know, and that, that kind of put us under a small bit of pressure. Kerry are kind of an up-and-coming side in lots of respects. Isn't there a Kerry representative team in the National League as well, First Division, or am I mistaken? Yeah, there is, Tom, and that's kind of a, a change in landscape uh, and it's something we probably have to tackle or challenge or, you know, find ways around in counties remaining that doesn't have a, an underage League of Ireland uh, entity, you know. So the Kerry squad, for example, they would have they would have had a lot of experience playing under seventeen, under nineteen, and then you're right to say that just this year they completed their first season in the first division of League of Ireland. You know, so that little bit of a League of Ireland experience uh, is beginning to become a bit of a challenge now for for the likes of Kerry. Uh, who we wouldn't have as many players exposed to that underage outlet yet, you know. Dennis, is is that sort of indicative of the issue that Clare has as a county has been sort of uh, stuck in the middle between Galway and Limerick and that a number of the underage players in Clare would either go uh, Limerick or, we'll say, to Treaty uh, or to Galway because of the lack of that structure? Is that an issue that, that you think... Is is that has that been prevalent in the past, and is there a fix to it? Do you think? Well, I suppose you're right, Louis, in that you know traditionally 
Clare players would jump at the opportunity for Galway and and Treaty. Uh, and again, we have to kind of balance that against the quality of players. So that you have to look at our own resources and then think, well, have we enough players to justify a League of Ireland entity? You know, and being able to deliver that up to the minimum standard that's required. Um, you know, so uh, as we'll discuss later on, you know, the best players in Clare. They have the ability to make an impact all across the League of Ireland, underage and senior. But it's just a numbers game, really. So, you know, I suppose ourselves in Clare Football have to kind of look at either how we counteract that or how we can benefit that. For You know, going back to the previous Oscar trainer campaigns in 16 and 17 when we won the titles, you know, that was backboned by a lot of players that had large amounts of League of Ireland experience and had come back into the county to play, you know, so some some years it, it helps you and others it um, it works against you. Yeah, it's 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 kind of intriguing how, let's say, football goes in waves. I mean, who would be the, the most prevalent um, Oscar trainer side in the country at the moment? Would it be one of the, the Leinster League sides or would it be, let's say, from, from a quality point of view, or are we looking at Cork? Uh, well, again, with the, with the competition taking a break, Tom, I suppose, from around 2020, you know, the likes of ourselves, um, Limerick District, uh, the AUL in Dublin would have been the traditional stronger leagues, you know, um, Wexford and Inishon. They really would have been the traditional counties that would have approached the Oscar trainer uh, in a certain manner every year and been, been in the final stages. Now, uh, with the competition returning and the League of Ireland landscape, you don't really know who's going to return from League of Ireland and who's going to come back into junior football and you know, and and which leagues are going to approach the competition uh, in a positive manner? You know, um, but for us in Clare, you know, it's it's our own, it's our high-profile uh, competition as regards as the highest representation level in Clare football. Uh, and I suppose the squad this year, we were just going back through it there over the weekend. You know, I think we we gave about 18 players their Oscar trainer debut. You know, so. Uh, it's really um, starting the squad up again, you know. Yeah, I, I suppose the, the format that has come back, Dennis, can you just explain how it is different from how it was previously? Well, it was knockout previously, wasn't it, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, it was It was a group stage, Luke, but it was a group of four um, before, so that would allow you a kind of a longer leading time. So you'd say you would start your preparations in September, you would know that you'd be playing or planning to play your group games all the way up to February. And then it was knockout stages after that. Um, but again, with the competition returning, I suppose the FAI didn't know the, the numbers that they could be dealing with. So on this occasion, we just ended up with that with that group of three with ourselves, Limerick and Terry. Yeah, uh, right. And again, it's... With There's no, only one to come out of that group. Yeah, you know? no, no, no margin for error, I suppose. Listen, just from the East Clare point of view, is there anyone that would be connected with any of the clubs out our side that were involved with the panel this year? Yeah, this year, Aaron, um, we had, um, oh, look, we had Aaron Curtis from Tulla. Aaron has um, just returned there in the last month from a couple of years out through injury. Uh, he, again, he was going well with Galway United underage and then picked up these, these injuries. 
for a couple of years. So touch wood now he, he's back up and running and um, he was in the squad at, at the weekend, you know. Um, and again, I've no doubt that East Clare through Mount Shannon and Tullahan in the coming years, you know, they'll definitely be supplying more and more uh, players to the Oscar trainer because uh, a lot of up-and-coming players for the next three to five years are, are based in the East Clare region. And speaking of Kilkishan and Tulla, there's a huge local derby happening this weekend uh, for both sides as they're both in the Premier and they're facing off on Sunday. Um, any predictions, any background in relation to the way the match might go? Again, I would expect that Tom, you know, no quarter asked or given. Uh, I know from the results that uh, both clubs have been in, in tight games, you know, so they're probably at a stage where they're just looking for that breakthrough win, you know, to, to add a bit of momentum to their season. Uh, I think Oakley Kishin have picked up that win and picked up uh, a draw, so um, they're, a, they're a hard team, solid, strong team, don't give much away. Uh, Mary, maybe on the opposite side, then Tully United. They have a philosophy, they have a style of play, um, they have a lot of youth on their side, probably maybe lacking that cutting edge up top. So, uh, again, it will be a tight one. If I has, was to call it, I might think that this might be the game where Tona nick the win and, and uh, that could start off a bit of momentum for their season, you know. Yeah, so it's it's basically two different styles uh, coming up against each other at the weekend. Um, and speaking, and not to be back and forth to the Oscar trainer, are you playing uh, a kind of a, a three-five-two formation, or what? What was the or let's say one? Um, what's the Oscar trainer playing? Because uh, it'd be interesting because the way football is changing all the time. Yeah, again, it's uh, as we see from Stephen Kenny, it's, it's uh, probably having that ability to mix up your style at the right time. So. We would have started uh, with the Oscars a one four three three, and then especially in the Limerick game second half, given the personnel that we have or we introduced, we would have flipped it to to um, three at the back, five across midfield, and two up top. You know, uh, I think really a lot of people now are looking at that way of getting two back to the two players up top uh, for that attack and threat. You know. Um, so a lot of people are going with that one three five two. Okay, and who were your your two men up front in the last match against uh, Kerry? Yeah, so again we had a change of personnel. Um, we were missing a couple of Avenue players through injury, so we ended up with Darren O'Neill and uh, Tomas Heher. So Darren O'Neill would have returned from the Clare Senior Football Panel, uh, signed with Lifford. So it was a kind of a a large and little uh, combination up front. So Darren um, and uh, we would have had Tomas Arrows at New United playing off him, you know. Okay, and tell me, when we're this weekend, you you reckon it's going to be a, a Tulla just about just about a Tulla win this weekend? Yeah, I would think they've they've, they've come across them once or twice before in recent times. So okay, uh, no Mike Maloney and that they'll, they'll be looking to really. Maybe tweak their own style a little bit. You know yourself with young players. Uh, it might take them a while to realise, OK, uh, we, can, we can pass it around and it can look nice on the eye, but um, 
sometimes we have to mix it up a little bit to to get the results. Or in Tullis' case, really, from seeing them, it's um, just creating more more opportunities, you know. And speaking of creating opportunities, uh, what a wonderful week it has been for some of the Clare ladies when it's come to their the soccer prowess. We have uh, Laurie Ryan lifting the Women's FAI Cup last Sunday. Fantastic for the, the county of Clare, not just at Lone Town. Yeah, look, it, 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 um, it goes back to the point earlier, Tom, of we, we always have players of ability whether it's male or female, to make an impact, a real impact at the world level. And it just so happens that in recent times, very recent times, it's, it's the girls that are grabbing all the headlines, you know. Um, and like we all saw last weekend, uh, Laurie Ryan, uh, captain in Athlone Town uh, to win the FAI Women's Cup. And a couple of weeks before that, we had Chloe Maloney uh, in the, uh, a stalwart of the centre-back union, Tom, that you're very familiar with uh, for Team Mount United. Um, <laughs> nice one, Dennis. Nice one. <laughs> probably Chloe uh, playing with a bit more style than Tom did back in the yeah. day. But, well, uh, he was trying to call Laurie a centre-half as well uh, this afternoon uh, when we were talking to her, and I think she sort of deferred uh, very, very politely and said sort of, you know, defensive midfielder as well. So. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that 10 or 15 yards is a big difference in ability. Uh, tell, um, yeah, tell me about it, Dennis. So, yeah, being being there in both spots from time to time. <laughs> can I, yeah, can I uh, listen? What was I going to say? Uh, without hanging out any more of my dirty laundry here on the on the show today, can I just ask you very quickly about the schools fives competition that has been launched there in the last couple of weeks in relation to national schools? It's a it's a huge competition in the country. Yeah, it's, it's a massive one, Thomas. Our flagship one and. Um... What's great about it is, is that the nature of the competition or the format it allows every school in the country, irrespective of numbers, uh, in the school to to participate. You know, so there's um, there, it, it works from within player or national wide. National wide, we run uh, some regional qualifying days, and we have county finals days, and then we have Munster days, and that they continue on to all Ireland final days in in the Aviva Stadium. You know, and again. In recent times, Clare has been represented on the girls' side. Cushing, Dallier have all gone up there and won the um, won the All Ireland title. So you know, you never know where five kids from County Clare or five kids from East Clare might end up. You know, um, and uh, like I said, the, the design of the competition it's based on your overall school numbers. So, for example, there's a small school section which a lot of the schools in East Clare would, would come under. Mm-hmm. And then there's a, there's a medium school section, which is kind of for schools with 26 to 80 kids. And then obviously for the urban centres, there's a large school section. So the, quality, the application process is open now until the 26th of February. Um, so there's an application link online there is um, faischools.ie. Okay. Uh, so basically, the school can enter a boys squad, a girls squad, uh, can enter a mixed squad, and then they will get details of their, first of all, in particular with the small school section, there'll be a, a regional qualifying day. So, for example, the East Clare schools will all go to Tully United for a day, and then 
certain number of those schools will, will progress into the county finals and then hopefully we might get an East Clare school out into the uh, Munster finals later on. Excellent, excellent. No, I was I was involved at it from a, from a coaching point of view last year when we went into Lee's Road. I think that was I think they qualified out of the, the Tuller section and then went with the, with the Lee's Road. Um, what was I going to say from a point of view of now that we 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 have you on the line? The future looks good for Irish soccer on a national stage or an international stage. Let's say oh, that, that's a loaded question. I know it's a loaded question. I'm yeah. just going to put it this way: if you are you talking about the girls or do we? Or no, the uh, I'm. Well, the, the girls are doing fine. Eileen Leeson. I know there's a manager for how do you say being sought after the the women's Eileen's doing a good job, but there is a manager being sought. But for the the senior men's team, um, I was going to have a kind of a Christmas draw competition of, of write your name down on the ticket <laughs> for who do you think the next Irish manager is going to be starting from? Have you give us give us three names? three names that you think might be in the offering oh that might be in the offering or that I have been jumping for for, for a couple of years well I would have always been hoped that Chris would come back in and do the do the role you know so uh, he's tied up with, with Ghana at the moment um, publicity wise you know for profile for the game if he was willing maybe to drop his wages a little bit, uh, I think right in, uh, alongside some progressive coaches would, would also be a good fit. Um, I, 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 sorry, Dennis, I, I, my, I'm picking my jaw up off the ground here now. Do, do you honestly uh, think that... No, I said I'm not a United fan, but I will acknowledge his contribution to the game. Uh, do you not think that his era... For that type of manager, is gone. Uh, yeah. So, like I said, Luke is, and I'm putting the, maybe the business head on a little bit, uh, bearing in mind the FAI finances. And yeah. Oh, I, 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 I could would, understand I it from that point him, of view. Yeah. I would just have him as a figurehead. He would need to surround himself, obviously, with, you know, modern coaches. Uh, the nature of of the international football, from a manager's point of view, is. You know, you see very little of the players, uh, and that would probably suit Mr. Keane as well. You know that if he's uh, if he doesn't if, if, if he doesn't see them, he can't be getting involved in rows with them, I suppose. Uh, so, yeah. Well, exactly. well, listen. On a on a side, um, have you ever been in the company, of Mr. Keane? I haven't. No. Now, look. In fairness, you know he uh, he did. You know he was an unbelievable player. He did come back under Martin O'Neill. Um, you know, so he would have an impact. But, uh, yeah, but, but 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 if you look at the impact, Dennis, that we'll say the O'Neill Keane duo had combo combo in relation to Ireland, you could argue that we've lost two of our best players to England as a result of it. Yeah, I won't argue with you on that one, Luke. Yeah, uh, I can't officially give my no, I no, I know, yeah, one, but, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, no, certainly, you know, those those two are a couple that definitely got away um, but I just think the nature of uh, where we are at the moment you know Roy Keane would have played alongside Lee Carsley for example could he be the difference in persuading Lee, Lee Carsley to come from England from the English FA and do a couple of years with us no, you know, no, uh, no, 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 now you're you're speaking my language now <laughs> I, I think that that, that that would be a more sensible 
opinion because we say Lee, as we, you know, we sort of, we lost him to English football to the sense that he's involved with the FA and has had, has built up a good reputation as a good underage coach. Now, if you're trying to tell me that you would say that, are you going to call Lee Carsley sort of like the manager and Roy the sort of the man that might bring in the, the money to the FAI and get a title sponsor? If that was the way, because he'd certainly be box office and I'm sure he'd give, he'd give an old sponsor a plug every now and again, <laughs> whether they wanted it or not. Exactly, yeah. So you're kind of... Uh... Killing two birds with, with with two stones rather than one stone. Yeah. Um, I just actually now I'm gonna I'm going to I'm gonna cut the conversation short when it comes to international managers. I happened to notice when I had my glasses on earlier on. That'll just show you the my age profile of people. Listen, on the front of the Oscar trainer jersey, you had Jigsaw Young People's Health in mind. And it's a sponsor, but it's a really worthwhile, um, I suppose, current day uh, sponsorship logo to have on any kit or on any slogan. Yeah, but definitely, Tom. You know, it's very, it's very important. And the longer, the longer I'm in the game, as I say, uh, you're probably focused or your priorities change. You know, uh, and certainly the modern society today, and in particular football because the public and even youngsters that are involved in football they all have the dreams you know of the stardom and that that can that can wrap people up and that can stress people out and in in football there's a lot of oh you're selected for this squad you're not selected for this squad and you know you just have to be wary all the time of the impact that that um those knockbacks can have you know it's very easy for people to say or get up and get on with it, or you'll get another chance down the road. But you know the the proof, sadly, uh, the proof is in the pudding from some young players that we would have seen try to go through the system and come out of the system and get washed out of the system. You know, so there's a there is a duty of care there. You know, whether you're a volunteer or a professional, you know, you're dealing with youth, you're dealing with teenagers, young adults. Uh, we all have a duty of care, you know, to make sure that it's just a sport behind it all, you know. Listen, I think on that note, and really well said, uh, Dennis Hines, thank you very much for joining us here this evening on our uh, football podcast for County Clare. Thanks a million, Dennis. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Luke. Best Talk to you soon. <laughs> That was wonderful. Bravo. I loved that. Oh, it was great. Well, it was pretty good. Well, it wasn't bad. Well, there were parts of it that weren't very good, It though. could have been a lot better. I didn't really like it. It was pretty terrible. It was bad. It was awful. It was terrible. Get him away. Hey, boo. Boo.